Welcome to the ASA Collision Division Report, the bi-monthly podcast that brings you up to speed on how the Collision Operations Committee is working on behalf of our collision member shops. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association and features Mike Lavasser, ASA Collision Division Director. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and this special podcast is just one of the many member benefits the Automotive Service Association provides to keep you on top of the latest information you need to know to help drive your success. Hi, I'm talking with Mike Lavasser, the ASA Collision Division Director, with our bi-monthly update on the Collision Operations Committee activities. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Thank you, Tony. How are you today? Doing good. I know we're all struggling through the current pandemic situation. A lot of us are working from home. I believe both of us are at this point in time. But the conventional wisdom seems to be that we're going to get through this. And at some point, things we hope will return to whatever the new normal is. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So what's the latest on uh, COC activities with ASA? Well, in general, a lot of things have stalled in legislation with efforts like the right to repair, data rights, data access, but the, the industry continues on. It's an essential business. Fortunately, the government tagged automotive repair as an essential business, which incorporates the mechanical division and the collision division. So we're still repairing cars. All the responsibilities, they don't change. Uh, Safe repair, safety never takes a pause. Liability never goes away. So even during this pandemic, it's very important to everyone to still focus and fix the cars correctly, regardless of the obstacles. And I know some things have changed in the way we do that. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We've had a couple of projects that are ongoing, I know, with the COC. The paint studying is one of them. What's the latest on that? We've been gathering information on some trouble colors, and we're putting an effort together to address the blend versus tint and the blend and tint, which is a necessary operation in some of the repairs that we do. So we came up with a five-step process. So we're going to collect the facts from the study that several of our members have done. They've been working with three particular paint codes that are very difficult to match with different manufacturers and different climate conditions. So we're collecting all the facts from that study, and then we will do a full search and research for the manufacturer's data on how they handle these types of colors all the way back into the 70s until today, because the trick colors in the 70s and 80s are now the common colors of today. The third step we would do is create info sheets and marketing material so we can educate the insurers and the consumers. Fourth part, we would bring the education further out into the masses, our our members, through our podcast and and our website. And then finally, roll out all of this information to the public and other associations so we can share in the knowledge that we gained. And uh, this is not a new problem, I know, but as you mentioned, some of the trickier colors, the more complex, I guess, colors that are coming out on new vehicles seem to be the challenge. It started way back when we started doing the uh, base coat, clear coat, and then all of a sudden there was a three stage and then a four stage and then the flops and all these other type of looks that the public likes and, you know, makes them buy vehicles by the appearance. But as the collision industry experts, we need to fix that and put it back to where it was prior to the accident. It is a big challenge for us. And one of the biggest challenges, not only getting there, not only getting the, the vehicles to look correct, to put them back into their factory appearance, but there's also the fact that we need to be paid correctly for it. And that's part of the effort. Well, again, more complex operations require more complex repair procedures, it would seem to make sense. 
I've been hearing a lot about the vehicle scanning discussion. I know it's still going on in the industry, and I've seen a couple articles in the trade press. I know the COC has discussed that. Where are we on that situation? Well, about five years ago, pre- and post-scans were discussed. Now, pre- and post-scans are an absolute need for vehicles today. I think we go back to 96 when you start to read the information on the car and start to make the corrections. Now it's an absolute necessary, not only for the standard operating parts on the vehicle, but it's also all the safety and the um, ADOS driver assist systems that need to be recalibrated and put back into their factory spec. It's a lot. It's a safety feature. There's liability involved with that. The liability falls back on the shops, so the shops have to do this. Educating the payers, the the insurers, has been a challenge for our, our industry, but it's very necessary. It, at this point, in my opinion, it's still all over the place. Nobody has the formula yet, but it needs to be figured out, and it needs to be figured out sooner than later. Well, it makes sense that the capability of the vehicles to identify faults within their systems through the, the scanning process where you can pull out the trouble codes and see what's going on certainly makes sense. But I think it's, in, it's also important to determine the exact extent of the damage. I know a lot of electronic components are now placed all around the vehicle. You have sensors in the bumper, things like that. So one would think it's a critical part of the repair plan and of the damage estimate. Yeah, absolutely. The, the manufacturers have done a, a good job in helping us to evaluate what's wrong with the car. The cars are almost self-diagnosing. They're, we plug into them, they tell us what the problem is, and then we correct it. And so many things can happen in an accident. You can have a minor front-end accident and it can throw 15, 20 codes, and they all need to be corrected to put the car back to where it was prior to the accident. So it's, it's very much of a challenge. Hmm. And you had mentioned ADAS. I know that has been a big topic of discussion as well. How are shops approaching that? Are collision shops getting into the calibration business themselves, or is the trend more towards using, say, a subcontracted service for that? Any feel for where we're going on that? I do believe that the shops are taking more of an initiative to try to do it in-house, only because there's more control, not only with the pricing, but with the repair information that we're, we're getting back. I would rather rely on one of my employees who I, I trust and I've trained to do the work rather than sending out to a uh, a third party that you you don't know. I mean, you eventually will build trust with the third parties and they are a very necessary part of this business. But I think the trend will be that more things will be handled in-house. One of the large MSOs have developed ADOS systems in every market. And when I say ADOS systems, I mean the ADOS repair facilities. Interesting. The multi-shop operations obviously have the capacity to maximize that investment, I imagine, by sharing amongst their facilities if they wanted to as well. You know, there's always a bright spot in the crisis. We tend to make tremendous advancements in times of crisis. And one of them is identifying opportunities in the middle of all this. And you and I had a short discussion. You're seeing some new opportunities emerge on the collision side in the midst of all this? Yeah, well, it's becoming necessary not to have a no contact or no touch type of service. And in order for us to do that, vehicles have to be sanitized. And we have some members that have shared some of their experiences and actually have diversified into vehicle sanitizing services, not only for vehicles, but also for facilities. So I think there's, there is an opportunity out there, and I think that will be part of the new norm that vehicles will need to be sanitized as they come in and then as they go out. And, I, and I'm sure that's until we get a vaccine for this current pandemic, but who knows moving forward 
what's the next thing coming to us? Yeah. Well, cold and flu has been around for quite some time. Not quite as serious as what we're facing now, but still something worth considering. And some of the best practices that are emerging, like vehicle sanitization, could be part of the new normal. And let's see, you'd mentioned that, the new normal. Let's talk a little bit about that. What sorts of things, you had mentioned the contactless customer service. How many of these things that we're doing now do you think are going to stick, that customers like them and we're still going to be using them once we even get past this crisis, simply because it's it's just a more efficient way of doing business. Anything you've, any trends you've noticed? Yeah, well, the photo estimating, which was uh, legalized, I, I believe, two years ago, as a viable method of evaluating damage and paying claims, this will be more prevalent uh, because it is a no-touch type situation where the customer takes a picture of the damage, submits it to the insurance company slash shop, and claims are made based on the information found through the photo estimating. I think that's going to be the new norm. There'll be a lot more of that going on. In my opinion, it's not the most accurate way of writing an estimate, but it is the only way you can write an estimate without, with a no touch is through a video or, or a photo. So I think that, that we will see uh, more of that, and I believe customers will be more comfortable with that. The only thing is supplement ratios will be higher and supplement payouts will be, uh, will higher, be higher as well. So there's a downside to some of this stuff as well. The contactless customer experience, have you had any feedback from the shops that you're in contact with? How are the customers reacting to that? Do they like it better or is it something that basically is to be endured at this point in time? Yeah, it's almost like baptism by fire because this pandemic came on us and this new type of customer relationship is the new norm now. We didn't have time to prepare for it. You know, we just were just reacting and doing the best we can to keep us open and keep everything working. And actually, I know we've also been taking advantage of technology, if you will. You're right, this came on us all of a sudden, but many of us were moving in that direction anyway. And in some ways, I think the current crisis has actually accelerated the move to some new business models or at least new best practices with the customers. For example, are the collision shops, I guess they're communicating with their customers uh, via cell phone and other electronic means more frequently during the pandemic, which is something I know some of them were doing anyway. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yes. FaceTime, Zoom, all these technology platforms that we can share video real time will definitely become more of a uh, norm than a, a special situation. Just as we do business now and as we communicate personally to everyone and we're all hunkered down into our spaces, we're sharing a lot more data via internet and programs than, than ever before. And I really think that this will change things, just like 9-11 changed the travel industry. I really believe that this is going to change a lot of industries, from restaurants to medical to all the way through, where it's going to be as much of a no-touch situation as possible. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for the update. I would imagine the, the COC will continue to focus on, as you mentioned, some of the legislative issues that are stalled right now. But lots to look at. I know lots to consider going forward. And we will look forward to your next report. We're doing these bi-monthly. And we'll be keeping everyone abreast again of what's happening with the ASA Collision Operations Committee. We've been talking with Mike Lavasser, ASA's Collision Division Director. Thanks, Mike, for your time today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you, Tony, very much. And stay safe and uh, stay healthy. You do as well. Talk to you soon. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. 
just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoyed this special podcast and would like to hear more, we'll have a new one every other month. You can hear them by logging on to your ASA member account. If you're not currently an ASA member and are listening to this podcast, we invite you to become part of the ASA family. For everything you need to become an ASA member, just visit our website at www.asashop.org. That's A-S-A-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.